This is Sports Best, presented by Repost on the Reposted Podcast Network. Coming at you like a pair of ABC announcers calling the Notre Dame-Florida State game over the weekend. He is Joe. I love Florida State Testaroni, and I am Mike. Let's ice our own kicker, Norvell. Did you watch the end of that game on Sunday night? That was electric by any standard. I didn't watch a lot of college football, so I'm sad I missed it. Oh, my God. Overtime, Florida State has a fumble they have a long kick i think it's a around a 48 yard kick and right as it snapped mike norvell calls timeout because he wants to challenge the fumble and because they're the quarterback fumbled it but they ruled it an incomplete pass but on the snap the kicker makes it they move the ball forward 10 yards wide left notre dame wins 41 38 electric uh, and just like watching a game in Florida State is great. The, the crowd's great. It's uh, college football's back. I'm excited. I don't know who I'm rooting for least in least in that situation, Notre Dame or Florida State. I, I honestly, I feel like I hate both those teams very passionately. The Florida State, the, the announcers were clearly in favor of Florida State winning. They had, they had unveiled the Bobby Bowden statue. Oh, Everyone yeah. was putting flowers at his feet. It was their first. Uh, full capacity game since 2019 everybody was into it quarterback goes out back out fifth year fifth year senior comes in but the uh the power the luck of the irish prevail luck of the irish well it's so it's so fitting that the sports best program is starting with the las vegas raiders are the least like professional sports team in north america the action network came to that conclusion by reviewing negative Sentiment for teams in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and soccer over the last year. Uh, very fitting, I believe, that the Las Vegas, I feel like that's a lot of like 60s and 70s angst still built up in there. But nevertheless, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I have the, I had, and this debunks it, I had this theory, the most hated teams were the best. It used to be beat the Yankees or beat the Red Wings. And it was like, the teams that had the negative about the other team was because the others were so good. The Raiders, I don't get that much. And then if you say it's left over from the sixties and seventies, I mean, what about the, uh, was it the iron curtain, the, the Steelers in the seventies, like they had a pretty rough and tumble attitude. So this doesn't really fit with my theory. Also number two is the Dallas stars. I love the Dallas stars. So why is everybody hating on them? This, this list doesn't make sense to me. I, I would say it doesn't, right? Because you think the New York Yankees would be up there. You think the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys, like just like you're saying, the good teams would be the ones that people like. And then it's like the Raiders, Dallas Stars. Like, how does anybody have any passion, whether for or against, on the Dallas Stars? The first one that made sense to me kind of was Chicago Bears coming in at number five. But I feel like all of that is self-hatred. Like the the city of Chicago hating the Bears for never being able to get a quarterback or whatever. You have the Arizona Coyotes. Like I thought that I would have, I mean, not seeing a list, I would have said Detroit would have been the most hated team in the NHL just because they are perennially good. They haven't been that good recently, but it didn't make Orlando Magic is in the top 10. What? No, dude. This is what I love. The 76ers led the NBA in dislikes, but the Raptors were right there. Like who dislikes the Toronto Raptors? I, I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I associate with the Toronto Raptors is Drake. So the only thing Drake had <laughs> you know an album come out last week. Maybe people aren't happy with the content he's putting out anymore. 
So that that's one possible thing. I this list okay. doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but I truly believe the Raiders deserve the title of least like team because they're a bunch of buffoons. Their odor is a buffoon. I hope John Gruden falls on the sword again and they suck for a long time. So yes, I'm I'm rooting for the Raiders to be disliked. And a quick callback to last week: their owner has a ridiculous haircut. <laughs> I think that's probably the that's main it. reason people don't that's like it. them. That's totally it. You figured it out. So in my world, one of the best things you can get as an actor is what they call mailbox money. You get residuals oh. and it just comes to you. And I didn't know that this could happen in the world of coaching college football, but apparently Lane Kiffin has figured it out. He tested positive for COVID and missed Mississippi's game against Ole Miss. And he gets a $100,000 bonus for beating a non-conference power five team and they're like he wasn't there he didn't coach a team but he's still getting the bonus and apparently incentive bonuses are more common than i thought i didn't know they had that many he gets a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bonus once he's beaten five in conference sec teams so anything above five wins will help i think his base salary is 4.5 million what I thought about this game, which is interesting, that he couldn't go to the game because he had COVID, but why can't he still call plays? Like, couldn't he be wherever at home and still have the headset of some sort still on and still be coaching the game? I think if COVID is a thing next year where you still have to go to protocol like this for testing positive, I think they will come up with a way to be able to still do that. Uh, we were talking about in Hard Knocks, the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator couldn't be at one of the preseason games. He couldn't call plays. And when the games are going to matter more, uh, I think there's there's going to be some grumbles about, like, I need to be able to be there. Because we have the technology now. Everyone can work remotely. So why can't coaches work remotely? I, I think it's just because the old school system that's in place doesn't, doesn't really allow it at this point. Well, yeah, it's 2021. I couldn't believe that he couldn't coach from home. The other one is uh, my boss, <clears throat> you is a traffic reporter, and she was in the original cars, her voice, and she still gets whatever those checks are for like 30 cents every year. She'll literally get one of those residual checks, checks. Yeah, yeah, for 30 cents every year. One thing I did think of is that if you coach remotely, you have access to more angles than you would otherwise. Like, oh, maybe that's Lane it. Kiffin, like head coaches wouldn't even be on the field anymore because then they yeah. could just be in some kind of control booth looking at 80 screens hmm. all right look at you i like that maybe that's the case i'm gonna do i'm gonna get our staff on that reasonable doubt the national women's soccer league announcing that its championship game is going to be played on november 20th at providence park in portland players quickly took issue with the fact that the game is going to start at 9 a.m in the morning the reason this has been inserted into the sports best is this is smack in the middle of college football season. When did they think that their championship game should air amongst all of the college sports football mainly going on? I understand, right? I understand you would, it's the championship of the women's soccer league in America and it's growing sport, but come on, right? There's really nothing that a sports network can do if college football's on other than relegate the ladies. No, I yeah, I understand the outrage. If I was a uh, part of this team, I would be, be I would be saying, "Hey, you need to change this. Give us a better time slot." But in the back of my mind, I'd be pragmatic and and realize that college football brings in so much money, and they're going to have so many more viewers. I I personally think I don't think soccer is uh, even 
any version of soccer is going to outrank college football. If you had El Clasico, if you had Boca versus River, River in Argentina playing, or if you had, I don't know what, like, I don't think you would outpace college football. And so it makes sense because of a money reason you could say maybe get rid of the don't televise it on cbs which they paid for the time slot like all right give the money back or don't accept the money you can play at 7 p.m wherever you want but like just trying to make it way it makes sense it's not i mean it's not ideal but it makes sense to me just need to give a giant i'm sorry ladies and then move on yeah i mean what do you think if they did it on wednesday night it's 7 p.m there's no college i mean wednesday is kind of a dead zone for sports except baseball once again, that took you maybe 30 seconds to come up with an alternative. Like, how did they not think of that? Just do it when there's no college football games. Yeah, maybe CBS has a uh, sitcom programmed already. That they, they have can't uh, bump. what is that? Uh, SUV 2020 Vegas is airing on Wednesday nights. SVU? Whatever. SVU, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're airing the SUV, the Ford Explorer <laughs> unveiling on Wednesday night. So that'll work out. Well... One big takeaway from this crazy story that Djokovic might be the first person in 52 years to get a calendar Grand Slam is that American tennis player Jensen Brooksby is possibly the new, the new wave of tennis. He's a 20-year-old from California, is ranked 99th, and he was on the big stage against Djokovic, beat him in the first, uh, first set 1-6. Uh, Djokovic ends up bringing it back around and he won the next three pretty handily. And he is three wins away from becoming uh, 25, 26 and 0 in majors this year. So that's crazy. But Jensen Brooksby was putting on a, a show and giving us a glimpse of who might be the next face of tennis. I love Misa Brooksby. Very exciting to see this dude who nobody's ever heard of get some love in the prime time. This is what I don't love. Uh, this whole thing that there's been no American male or female into the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament for the first time since 1880s. That's insane. That's in what what is going on with tennis? What? That doesn't sound yeah. right. It's true. It's the first time in the history of the U.S. Open at an event that dates back to 1880 with zero men or zero women from oh. the host country in the quarterfinals. That's unbelievable. That is crazy. We need to we need to represent more. I don't. I, tennis is kind of an interesting thing with the being a country club sport. It's like it is a lot more accessible. It's become a lot more accessible over the last twenty years. But uh, it does take a certain amount of equipment to be able in, in training to be able to get to an elite level. It's not like picking up basketball. You can just playing with your friends. Like tennis doesn't have the same cachet for a young person as uh, other sports do. And it turns out these tennis players are a little prickly with the social media. I feel like we're yeah. kind of talking a lot about these people. After her disappointing U.S. Open defeat at the hands of Great Britain's Amanda Radadakanu in straight sets, Shelby Rogers says she's now going to have to deal with 9 million death threats on her social media account from strangers who are unhappy with her loss. This comes after she had a massive third round win against the number one player in the world, Ashley Barty. She said on an interview, quote, you could probably go through my profile right now. I'm probably a fat pig in words that I can't say, but it is what it is. 
Social media can't control what I'm doing and the way my training is going, moving straight forward. But I wish social media didn't exist. It's really tough. Listen, I hear these tennis players complaining, but I don't hear um, women's soccer players. I don't hear NBA stars. Like, it is what it is. It's exactly right. Yeah, she said that social media can't dictate what she does, but as they say, social media is living rent-free in her head right now. She's the number 43-ranked player in the world right now, which is amazing. She could murder me in tennis. Like, I couldn't keep up with her. She's awesome. But I think being in that sweet spot of just starting to get more attention, like, she hasn't figured out her system on being able to ignore that. Like, I don't think Rafael Nadal is is going through his his comment section. And this is maybe a newer thing for her social media that people are starting to know who she is and she's getting some hate. She needs to turn it off. Don't look at it. If I became instantly famous today, I would have some problems figuring out what uh, all the hate that's coming towards me. So I guess it's normal, a little bit of hyperbole in her press conference, but I'm not too worried about her death threats. Okay. So she got lots of love when she won. So she got some hate when she lost. Here's what I understand in the article talks about how her marketing team says she's got to be on the social medias. Can't she go to her agent and say like, Hey man, I would rather lose a couple of bucks on commercials than be called a fat pig on the internet. That's my decision. That's what I want. I feel like she wants her cake and wants to eat it as well by getting all this commercial endorsements, but then having a bad Twitter account. There's also a way to manage that where you pay someone to ghost post as you like, she can be available for pictures and like say, hey, do something about this. But like she doesn't have to be physically driving her social media. So, I mean, there's ways around it if you want to maximize your celebrity and capitalize on it as much as you can. But like she doesn't have to go through every single comment on every post she makes. I mean, at some point that's on you. Yeah, I think she should tone down the rhetoric just a smidge. Yeah, well... Continuing with the U.S. not being good at stuff anymore, what? we, for the first time, gave up control of the Solheim Cup on U.S. soil. So in front of a record 130,000 fans, Team Europe comes over and defeats the U.S. golf team. And uh, very sad things. It was basically, they kind of rallied together with a us versus the world situation, and they pulled it off. So compelling golf i don't know i didn't i didn't even know about the solheim cup before today i didn't either uh, but the only reason i put this in is that i was playing golf with some friends over the weekend you might know them and they were like hey is anybody watching the solheim cup i'm like we're talking about women's golf but anyways uh, uncle kirk says yeah i've been watching the solheim cup and uncle Chayne says well let's put some money on this but uncle kirk is looking at me when chayton makes the bet and he goes well how much do you want once again thinking that i'm gonna give the standard all just three bucks when Uncle Chayton puts down a 50. So now, now Uncle Kirk's got to bet 50 bucks on women's Solheim Cup. Of course, Chayton loves the Euros. Kirk loves the Americans. Uncle Kirk lost the $50. So then the next day, same different thing. We're at lunch. Someone brings up this bet again. And another person, the sexist of the group, goes like, hey, man, are we talking about women's golf for the second day in a row? <laughs> the sexist of the group? This person's consistently sexist. Oh, no, but it was just funny that he was like, he was kind of tuning. He's like, hey, man, are we talking about women's golf again? Can we stop? Can we knock this off? Yeah. I haven't brought this up in a while, but I have no sympathy for Kirk because he made a bet with me and sold odds to someone else on the back end. And I didn't appreciate that. I just love 
that he did that. That's so great. That's real, real <laughs> dirty. Something that he should have done instead of uh, making $50 bets is use some mayonnaise. You're probably using the wrong mayo. <laughs> is there ever a wrong mayo? I don't think so. What's up, oh, man? I love I don't think you know this about my family, but friend of the show, brother Ryan, has Ugh. a huge aversion to mayonnaise. Ugh. And we'll, we'll paint the picture. The Duke Mayo Classic between Clemson and Georgia over the weekend, where Georgia won 10 to 3, which that's a whole other story in itself. But fans decided that they wanted to cover themselves in mayonnaise. There's this one guy before the game, he took a huge tub of mayo, dumped it on his head, rubbed it all over his body, further proving that mob mentality will get people to do stuff in front of a camera. I want to know what he felt like at halftime with mayonnaise starting to bake on him. They cut to also during the game, some guys just <laughs> shoveling mayonnaise in his face, eating it for the Jumbotron. Both of those things made me want to throw up a little bit, but uh, people are nuts. I just want to push back just a smidge there. It's a crazy college kid, mostly a man, trying to get attention at his football game. I, that's what I think. For sure. It was, you'll do something because oh, there's man, a, lost you. people, you. there's people cheering. And uh, anyway. Honorable mention for the weekend, Chip Kelly's UCLA beats LSU over the weekend, 38-27. That was wild. I'm Andrew for Larry. This has been a bad internet day. We'll see you later.